0: Welcome, Debbie Carter, to the TJ podcast. To, for, for people who don't know, um, there'll be few and far between, but tell us who you are, your job title. Tell us a bit about you before we kick off.
1: Okay, well, my job title is Editor-in-Chief um, and of Training Journal, TJ. Um, I've been in this role for quite a long time, and today is my final day.
0: It is your final day, and uh, we're here to talk about that. So... My first question, Debbie, what's different and what's the same about the TJ that you joined in the late 90s?
1: Well, I joined TJ actually in 2001, but I was part of the company that had TJ uh, from the moment it was purchased from Marlebone Press, um, which was 1998, I think it was, when the Fenman acquired it then. What's changed? Quite a lot's changed. Mainly, I mean, if you think of it today, now it's purely a digital project. At that time, it was a print based magazine and it had um, a very basic website and it had um, an affiliated uh, online moderated forum called UKHRD. I think it might have been one of the first in the UK, actually. It was one of the first sort of chat forums around. Um, so that was the start. I mean it's changed a lot in the intervening years because it changed name from training officer, which it was when we bought it, which was appropriate because nearly everybody who who subscribed were either training managers or training officers. Um, but we changed it because we, we thought it sounded a bit militaristic to TJ, to training journal, and then later it became TJ. Uh, So those are the main things, I would say. I think the focus of the editorials changed a bit as well, because initially it was very um, practical how-to stuff for trainers. So it was very much focused on the the training cycle. So needs analysis, um, design, delivery, assessment, evaluation. So a lot of the material that we covered was how to do those things and also a lot of things around soft skills, but the focus was on training trainers. Um, And then it gradually changed over the years. And now we are much more around giving trainers who are less trainers, but more developers, business partners, coaches, talent, a whole raft of different job titles um, to give them different types of skills Skills really, so it's changed quite dramatically.
0: So I don't want to talk. We're not going to talk too much about the sad times. But um, so the They're next happy. question is, what's made you what's made you happiest working at TJ?
1: Well, lots of things really. Uh, I think there are two main things that stand out really. Um, the first is um, I really enjoyed doing the project we did from about two thousand and five for about three or four years called L and D twenty twenty which was um, because we'd seen the, these changes in um, title, almost job title of our readership, we realised that there were a lot of them not doing what they originally were, which was delivering training, which was a sort of transactional process in many ways. Um, I remember talking to Don Taylor about, you know, this very question, and he said his first day is a training a training department he remembered going through the gates and the factory all the offices were on one side and the training department was in a little shed in the corner and that was very much really how training was 20 years ago it was not embedded in the business it didn't really it just was an order taker for for line managers but that was clearly changing because we were getting titles like business partner and whatever so we started to look at that we did a bit forward um, scenario planning and what what would it look like in, actually it was called LD 2020, which is quite ironic really, um, given what's happened in 2020, but actually I think 2020 has been the tipping point that has actually made a lot of what we were talking about happen. Um, so it, it's been forced on us by a pandemic, but we did say that, you know, learning was going to be very much driven by technology, And it's going to be around, you know, um, understanding learners. So it's around um, neuroscience, psychology, well-being, all the things that people are talking about now. So, um, yeah, so it was a very, very rewarding project. We also did a lot of focus groups around what was emerging. And that was a great way of actually um, touching base with... um, our practitioners because so so often you're talking to contributors who are perhaps suppliers or or thinkers but not so much working within big organizations so it was a great opportunity to get a sort of a look at what was happening there so it was a very rewarding and actually for me i think it gave me um, an enormous insight into the into the industry and how individuals work within their different industries so that was really great the second thing i l- I find great about working at TJ was actually the people. So not just my colleagues, I had some lovely colleagues, you know, I've had so many over the years who have been marvellously supportive and kind. But actually looking at it from a bigger picture, um, as a permanent wheelchair user who has been in the world of work since late 1970s, It was really refreshing to go and work for um, Fenman and subsequent companies and going out to events and meeting people in the industry because they were so inclusive. I didn't feel like I didn't belong, whereas in a lot of organisations before that, it was very difficult to, to make your mark because you couldn't join everything because things were always very difficult and maybe there wasn't the support around then that there is now but for whatever reason I think because HR and L&D tend to lead the, the inclusion and diversity agenda they are probably more in tune with connecting with people than perhaps your average engineer in a radio factory or whatever you know it's just it's just a, that that for me was quite an eye-opener because and then maybe it the world generally has changed but I don't think it has as much as um I think it should have done mm. there are still big big um barriers to inclusion so it was about that but very much about you know feeling feeling part of of something and L&D people made you feel extremely welcome they're very generous with their time and their thoughts and their ideas I suppose those are the two main things John
0: this is not an excursionary plan but um I do no. agree I think I think that I think the L&D community are an incredibly generous and lovely bunch of people in the yeah. main you know yeah. um you look at kind of uh, to 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 kind of use a microcosm of say twitter for example is to describe a bigger picture if you look at the different sorts mm. of tribes within a social network and you've got film twitter or football twitter or whatever it is people in D twitter are, are really really positive and encouraging and supportive i think that's mm. that's really good
1: yes i you know i think that's it and i I do think it's around they, they they must gravitate because they they um they care about people um and it's really nice i mean i've i would worked in um the legal services commission before that with solicitors and barristers and they're all adversarial so you just spend all your day even with i'm, I'm not talking about being disabled but your whole day was spent you know they didn 't they weren 't collaborative they didn 't want to listen they just wanted to shout at why their client needed to have legal aid right there and then, and no matter what you said about how you couldn 't do it because there were certain rules that meant you couldn 't do it, they just would just you know because that 's their, their way of working generally
0: apologies to all the nice barristers out there but I well, know, not I know all what you mean like
1: that, but there were quite a few in the yeah. nineteen well the early eighties who were you know, there were lovely ones as well, don't get me wrong, but a lot of your day was mm. actually taken up in, but like any customers, you know, it's a customer service environment almost, you know, professional yeah. services. But yeah, sorry about that. You can That's edit
0: okay. that if you like. That's <laughs> fine. It's your interview. Um, okay, next <laughs> question. What would, you, what would you do away with from the world of L&D? Uh, it could be a piece of terminology. It could be an entire area of the training industry if you want. What's what's not? What are you not a fan of so much?
1: Well, I, it would be very difficult to say that when I've just said how wonderful everybody within it is. But um, I, I don't think there's much I would change or get rid of. Um, I do think that they have a they love models and acronyms, and I find, sometimes find those a little bit strained, tenuous at times. Particularly, you get articles come in, and it's the the seventeen Ps of coaching or whatever i mean that's an exaggeration of course but you know that type of thing um people like to shoehorn their ideas into something um you know look like get a nice word that they think it would and i sometimes think it doesn't work there are some that have become mainstream and work well you know the grow model from john whitmore smart objectives swot analysis pest analysis all those sorts of things that are very useful acronyms but you know there's a lot out there that are not that good really um but <laughs> but you know that was that's one of the things the other thing I think is um this resistance that I'm I'm, I'm it's not something to take away it's something I'm a bit sorry about is that everyone all the websites events that you go to in l and the what we write about is talking about practitioners becoming much more business centric, and I think there are a proportion who are certainly move, making those moves. But there are still there's still I think a large number of people who are much more tied to the the pedagogy, if you like, than they are to what they're trying to achieve. And I think that's that's I think that's still something that needs to be worked on. And I'd I hope that we can carry on making people see yes, that understanding how people learn is vital, and, and understanding certain s- skills is vital. But the most important thing is knowing what your business is about, and and giving your people the ability to actually to quote Brian Murphy from your um, your interview the other day when he talked about the program, the vaccination program, that normally a vaccination program would take ten to fifteen years to complete, and they did it in ten to ten yes. months, and that mean, meant that they had to actually get people to unlearn all the things that they previously felt was the way you had to do it. And I think that's that, that's key. Is this this the LAD people need to start really challenging? um the people in their organizations to to let go of old stuff and embrace new ways of doing things and actually if we don't if we don't do that and i think we've been I, I still think that there's a a large proportion of people out there still resistant
0: to that agreed agreed obviously debbie now we're, we're going to stay in contact and uh, <laughs> in very you know in various different ways maybe i'll even come and see when when we're allowed to do that but yeah, exactly. um, for the purposes of <laughs> again
1: might be a long way off yet
0: yeah true um but for the purposes of drama here's my last question give me some words of wisdom to take forward into the darkness without you
1: the darkness you just told me about a new light you're getting you're not going to be in the dark are you i
0: have got a new light uh, it's very exciting it's a smart yeah. light though so i need to you know install the app and all the, learn all that stuff that's you know modern modern life problems but um uh,
1: well you'll have to blog about it or something just to keep us informed
0: i will definitely.
1: anyhow you're not going to be alone are you because you've got this vast network of people who would support you as i said before the industry is incredibly generous i think i know you're working on your own but reach out to people who know ask for help ask for support and i know you would get it I'm not going anywhere anyhow. So, you know, I'm still around. I know I'm, I'm in my 60s, but I'm not, I've not pegged it yet. So if you've got any questions, <laughs> come and talk to me. I'm happy to be a sounding board. You've got Joe again, who's a marvellous resource and Kate. Um, you know, you are now omnipotent, as Joe said. You're the glue that holds it all together. can. I- you know I recruited you four years ago because I knew you had the talent that we needed for the future and I know you're a safe pair of hands I've not I've not got any doubt on that score do you have any concerns about the future for you?
0: And uh, Not for me I mean I've, I've got concerns about the future for businesses well, as a whole I, I think I think some of to, to go back to talking about 2020 and kind of uh the work 15 years prior to that calling it LND 2020 wasn't in pr- prescient prescient I'm not even sure how to pronounce that in necessarily the ways that people thought um but changes have been accelerated for obvious reasons last year and so i'd like to focus on the things that are going to change for the positive but i think there's still a lot to businesses have got a lot to understand about how they're going to operate as businesses but how they're going to operate as businesses full of people and people's concerns about how and where they want to work and balance and things like that so i think there's a lot of uncertainty generally um but to to you know to to come back to a refrain that we've used several times before in or or in various different ways there's always been uncertainty like you said in your final piece so we'll deal with it
1: you can't do anything about it because i mean this is a quote I don't know how many times I've seen it in articles in 20 years, probably hundreds. Change is the only constant. I think it was it Confucius who said that? I think it was.
0: Who knows? I
1: don't know. <laughs> I have to look up. There's so many of these people. <laughs> I think it was Confucius, but right. it, it was some, I think it might have been a Chinese chap a long time ago. Um, so uh, I do think that that's, um, you know, we just, we all have to deal with that. Um, And I, I mean, I worry about my grandchildren and the future. But I look at them, and I think I don't know why I'm worrying because they'll deal with it because it's their world, not mine anymore. Not so much anyhow.
0: Children of the future, as George Benson once sung. Debbie, I
1: know you've got to go.
0: We can carry on. But I I was just going to say, it's it's been a pleasure working with you and for you, and thanks for everything you've done for TJ.
1: Well, I intend to carry on helping it whenever I can. You know that. Um, it's been a joy. I've loved it. Everybody's been so supportive, so wonderfully innovative in their approaches. You know, see all sorts of things over the years. I've met so many lovely people, famous and not famous. Have I met anybody infamous? No, I don't think so.
0: Um,
1: but, you know, um, it's been a... It's been a, a real privilege, as I said before. I've enjoyed it immensely. And thank you, John, for giving me the opportunity to, um, to say goodbye properly.
0: Well, no problem. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking in a couple of days anyway, but for now, it's been a pleasure.
1: Bye-bye.